0: Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Tuesday. No Leaf game again. What's going on? Aren't they supposed to play every other night for us? They they had a nice rhythm going, and now it's all messed up. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee, all with you for the next two hours as we tee up Toronto Maple Leaf News. Nothing. We yep, nothing. <laughs> you got breaking news on a call-up. We do. That's we, a big I story today. I, I I gotta admit, I I I needed to Google the name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here to tell I can fill you in a little bit. Um, tell me when you're ready for that chat.
0: I I'm I'm good to go. I, I just a quick note that uh we got Mike Kelly in this hour. And then uh, in the first uh, 20 minutes, we'll get to him. Ken Weeb, of course, Sportsnet contributor based in Winnipeg. We have not given the Jets enough love. It's time. We go Leafs. We talk McDavid. We talk Bo Horvat in Vancouver. Nothing Canadians on don't exist. Neither does Ottawa. Those days are over. It's the Jets time. Can I? Do we talk about the number one team in Canada out west or number two? Which one is it? JB. Well, I mean, the Jets? Yeah. Jets are number one. Okay. That's it. Let's chat them up. What do you
2: want about? Jeremy, I just number one or two? Uh, they're the number two team. I want to give a quick PSA. Um, I know there's lots of men and women that listen to this show that probably play organized hockey of all kinds. <laughs> um, you know, they play shinny, beer league, whatever kind of hockey you play. Uh, last night, my buddy uh, Dave was wearing a visor. He took a really vicious high stick straight in the jibs, knocked out his two front teeth, cut his lip wide open, he went in to get zips today on his lip, had to get caps on his teeth, yeah. bloody mess all over the ice. It's no fun. Put, put, on, it, a, put on a cage. You, you don't look cage like... Cage PSA from Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Think, you think you look cool wearing your visor out there, and you're, you think you're looking like you know, you're in the NHL. Just put on a bird cage, and, none, and it's all avoidable. It's my quick PSA to everybody who's listening to this show. It's terrible. It's a terrible scene.
1: <laughs> what yeah. are your thoughts
2: on that yeah you wear a cage i can't uh, see you him. wearing I, a cage you know it so you go no you go nothing no or you
0: go i wear a visor oh come on cap just
2: put on a cage you got a beautiful face I buddy. you do radio Listen, every week with uh, TV
0: and- i'm not i'm not against what you're saying <laughs> the question is do i have enough gumption to actually go do it i know So I'm a busy guy and when I'm not busy, (laughs) I like to just rest. Well, you you can't go to the mall
1: to put a cage on. Oh my God. So I'm playing college hockey. It's like my second year and you know, you got the cage on, you come back in the summer and you play with the pro guys. It's not cool to wear a cage. So I take my cage off playing with no cage at all. My mom finds out I'm cageless and she goes, here is $80. Go buy one of those nice visors, put it on, at least wear a visor in the summer. I take my mom's money, and I go buy a really nice basketball. Like, it was, <laughs> it was really good. That day, that same day that I bought the basketball and playing three-on-three, three, your maybe old teammate, Mike Ridley, yes. is on the ice with me, and I pass him the puck. He's in front of the net. One times it right back in my schnoz. Broken nose, 20 zips. Karma. Ouch. Wear a visor. I'm going to a visor. So, sorry, wear a cage. cage. I'm going Connor to Connor
0: Bedard did all of that Fish with a f- Fish, bull, mask. I, I could never mask. do, it. I could well, I never do you fish. You can't feel he, the wind in your face. No, he, uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was mandated to wear the full visor because of, he's a, considered an underage in the tournament. Yes. Still? Yes, because Sid had to do it too. But he yeah. could go back to junior, score four goals the next game with a half visor. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: The IIIHF is a little tighter, a little I, more protective of I the I do the sympathize
0: uh, with the cool kids remaining to be cool, For sure. I get For that sure.
1: feeling. Out all
2: the guys in the parking lot after the game, they're all in their feelings. They're like boys, next week I'm putting on a cage. That was gross. I don't want to see that again. Yeah. So,
0: anyways, that's just I wanted to bring. What well, do you up. think that's uh, the sticker price on uh, your your buddy's face? That's with a dentist with no insurance. Well, no, the, I mean not to give a know, shout out yes. to
2: the, the league, but the part of your league fees is you get some. You get a rebate. You get some money for. Sammy honest. said
1: you get like fifteen hundred bucks or something on the, the league. I was like fifteen hundred. You get free
0: coffee in the waiting room. <laughs> that's what you're getting with that rebate. Yeah, better, than, be a, better, like, better that's than off the to... back of a match book. <laughs> uh,
2: better than kicking the pants of the frozen Buddha. Yeah,
0: so. go get uh, some root canals. Go get a couple of uh, uh, yeah. caps. You know, my, you're, you're, you're in 10 grand. My dad <laughs> recently got some work done, some long-awaited work from his
1: years in the NHL, and the NHLPA was kind enough to cover it. His total cost of dental work was
0: $30,000. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. A couple of front teeth, you're okay. A, a Throw really, a couple of crowns on, he's probably two grand or something it, it, total, but. It's a really
0: nice used car. That's what what it is. You could
2: buy out the lease on my uh, Toyota with that, for sure.
0: All right. The Leafs announced uh, TJ Brody is on injured reserve. Are we surprised with what has been going on with that blue line all season long? Yeah. You know, I was saying to Sammy,
1: the the reason the Brody one hurts, though, is because he's not one guy. He's two guys. Because he makes whoever he plays with a better defenseman so you don't just lose Brody, you lose what he does for Justin Hall or for Morgan riley or whoever so it's that's a big absence for them
0: do we have a sense of uh like how long this is going to be do we have uh we got a I go, we got a Clippers clipper we got our first clippers uh clipper <laughs> clippers clippers yeah. clippers coming clippers
3: coming up. yeah
0: Sheldon Keefe on t j brody
3: yeah I, like I like I had alluded to he's he's has been playing through something and um he got a few extra tests done yesterday and, and it's something that's just gonna require a little bit of time to settle. So I think rather than him continuing to play through that, we're just going to get him on the IR and give him some time to recover. Do you have an idea on the length of time? Mm, nothing too, nothing nothing too, too long.
1: long. Okay. Nothing too long. Did he so ribs? Not the same as the oblique injury from before, yeah. but that's a pretty similar area. Not sure if you're familiar yeah. with
0: the anatomy. Of your regular region. I'm gonna throw something out, and you tell me if this ever crossed your mind. And I, I, I just think about like the TJ Brody, and I'm like, okay, they're they're kind of settled Dan Morgan's back, and now he just disappears, and it's it's an injury that is really conducive with somebody maybe looking at the Leafs, going, I'm taking free shots at all these guys. I'm like, that's it. That's an injury where it's, you're, you're, you're going after this, this defense that isn't big. Mm -hmm. They're not strong. They're not mean. Why wouldn't I want to just go run the crap out of TJ Brody? And, and yeah, to the point where I can knock him out with maybe uh, some sore ribs.
1: I think that that's possible because I don't, I don't see anyone to prevent that for sure but i also don't see that that has been happening necessarily like i can't
0: recall incidences where i'm like god i saw last week giordano get absolutely pasted yeah and i think in the back half that if if it 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 might get worse Mm -hmm. it might get worse if they just start looking at this lineup and say who's going to say anything to me who's going to challenge me who's going to come back and and tell me hey you just don't get free shots on these guys yeah, I do. That's, that's the only thing I would worry about in for the sure. back half.
1: You know, I worry about that in, in big games, big situations, playoff series, for sure. I feel like everyone is a little less motivated to take it to someone physically in some of these games. But, you, I mean, who knows? It's I don't know. Uh... Uh, to me, with Brody, it's a concerning
2: trend. Because they he is incredibly, like Borny was saying, he's basically two guys. Like, whoever he plays with is better and he, himself. I just, I hope... Because he's been pretty healthy his whole career. He's played a lot of games. like He hasn't missed a lot of time. I just hope this isn't the sort of aging curve and he's going to be the type of guy that's in and out of the lineup because they can't afford to have him not be at his best heading into the playoffs. Can't afford any of the, the
0: five plus million dollar players disappearing well, for out of the blue. But yeah. I would say of
2: all the defensemen who are most important to the team, I'm put him at the top of the list, wouldn't you? Wouldn't I think you say he's the most important
1: guy? I think going into a playoff series, if you have to be without Morgan Riley or TJ Brody, you got a really tough decision on your hands.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree on that one. I, I, Morgan's going to hopefully find his yeah. high level here. We know his good is... He has a higher ceiling than any of the other D, Brody included. His His good is something other people can't do. But right now, Brody is... As important as anyone back there you are absolutely right. Yeah. So
1: hopefully it's not like the oblique thing where it kind of lingered and took longer than they thought and he gets back in soon enough. But at least Connor Timmins is back in. He gets some run now with the Leafs. It's good.
2: I think this is. is where it's nice to have the depth mm-hmm. and of of your decor. You lose a guy and you can put in another guy that's shown to be really capable, especially offensively. I also
1: of- wonder if Ben doesn't get back in soon just cuz he it's been a while and he's been well, nothing but great in his times in. Yeah.
0: He's one guy that the opposition wouldn't necessarily look at and go, uh, you know, I want to take a healthy run at uh, Jordy Ben. Yeah. That's, I, I think. Yeah, he, I might put I him th- in tomorrow night. I, I think I think that would help right now, mm-hmm. to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and, and given what he has brought when they have asked him to play, really hard to say, hey, Timmons is going to be the guy who plays and plays and plays. Obviously, you want Timmons to get on a roll, but you need Brody, or sorry, you need Ben to be able to play come playoffs and feel like he's had a season and some stretch of play at some point.
0: I just think what he represents is, uh, is something that is important until you can address it closer to the trade deadline. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I can see it. Speaking of injuries. um, What's going on with Matthews? Well, that's a great question. Uh, maintenance day, but we don't have a, a real specific answer. He didn't practice with the team today. Why don't we listen? Are, to you, Sheldon? are you reading
0: between the lines on uh, on Sheldon and 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 what we're about to hear? Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't think Matthew's
0: going to play tomorrow. Let's okay. let's listen. Let's get that sense, maybe.
3: Yeah, just a uh, maintenance day for him. <clears throat> um, and we'll see where he at, where he's at going into tomorrow. But nothing much are concerned about at this point.
0: But there is some concern that he might miss tomorrow's game.
3: We'll see where he's at tomorrow. I don't
1: know, he just didn't want to say that he's not going to miss the game. They got two in a row, right? It's Wednesday and Thursday this week. It, it almost feels like to me, sometimes at this point of the season, it's good for the team to get someone in who hasn't been in and get a little bit of excitement. And I don't
0: know, math another day. For the last week, week and a half, including my uh, the article that I wrote last week, uh, to me, it's about, Managing the next 41 games, Mm -hmm. knowing that you're kind of locked into this position, right? It does give you the flexibility to allow T.J. Brody, whatever he's going through, maybe an extra week. You know, I mean, if if we're in a game seven situation, maybe even T.J. Brody plays. For sure. I totally think so. And Austin Matthews now, like you're facing Tampa Bay. You know that. Yeah. And... Do you? It, the, and the team should be strong enough where you should not be in any risk of. I shouldn't say this, but you know you're, you're hoping that home ice advantage still matters to you, and you should finish ahead of Tampa Bay. Yep. So they got
1: a pretty healthy lead, with, albeit Tampa has games in hand. But so if currently if, up eight points,
0: if Austin needs a day off, give them a day off. Yeah. They get forty, forty-two goals, forty-seven goals. Does it really, really matter?
1: Yeah, and, you know, you want to win these games, but, you know, it's not like they're playing Murderer's Row this week or anything. It's I think it's an okay game to let him take a knee for a moment and see what he can do. Bring in Bobby McMahon. The great Bobby McMahon.
0: I had to Google him. <laughs> you know what I, all I cared about? Tell me. 6-2. Six, 6-2, two.
1: Six, two, two, thir- Good enough. Good enough. I, uh, so... Did you ever play, and I know you did, you played to some guys who were freakishly ripped, like just like absolutely cut out of, Yeah, that's Bobby McMahon. He's that. Colin Greening was that for the Leafs for a little bit. And when I was at the Marleys, he was there. He's another guy like that. Um,
0: and you, like a milk bottle?
1: Oh, kind okay. Cut like a milk bottle? <laughs> like a bag of milk? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, you know, it sounds like skates puck pretty well, shoots it really well, which is good. Um, don't know that he's maybe the best defensive center on the team. He's not going to be Pontus Holmberg necessarily, but he plays special teams in the American league. Pretty good guy in the middle. It sounds like, sounds like a guy that everyone really likes, wants to have success. Obviously didn't quite have the start to the year that that they had hoped for him, but, but a guy that they had hopes for nonetheless, even as a bit of an older guy. You want to listen to Sheldon on him? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do Sheldon on him.
3: Well, the first thing is that, we, like, he's a player that we we really like. You know, he was he was signed. Uh, you know, I don't know what it was—the end of last season or off season or whatever it was—but a guy that we were really excited about coming into camp and really wanting to to see him compete for a spot. Um, I don't think he had you know, as good a camp as we were hoping for, or maybe that he was hoping for even, which maybe showed the fact that despite he's an older player, you know, like that was his first NHL camp with us. You know, he wasn't in camp the year before and had a great season with the Marlies and um, you know, had the injury early season this year. And then since he's come back, it just seems like he's hit, he's hit the ground running and has really found his game. Obviously player of the week coming off a huge week. So the fact that we had a roster spot to be able to call someone up, it just made a lot of sense. Well, he's got that positive momentum in there to, to bring him back and get him in, in our mix.
1: Really strong and fast in a straight line. So not like a dipsy doodler. Do you like that? Strong, fast, straight line, big. Yeah. His last uh, five games, you got two goals, no goals, one goal, one goal, one goal. You know, like he's he's shooting it in the net for them.
0: 26 years old. 26 years old. Never played in the NHL before. Right. I mean, 20 years ago, this would have been unheard of. You know that, right? I mean... Once they still super one, rare. You, you, you haven't played a game. No one's ever looked at you taking you seriously uh, at his age a while ago. You would have just been like not a chance he'll ever see the light of day. But yeah, salary cap era and looking at guys in in a, a moment kind of frame yeah. instead of big picture allows guys now to have a taste like this which is yeah. which is nice.
1: I wonder what you do you think that part of this is just a reward for the player? He's been a good soldier, he's been good for the Marley. He's like, I don't know.
0: I I I think I think there's still too many people that are selfish uh, enough to say if if he can't help us, then I don't care about that. Yeah. If I don't believe that he is the best choice in this particular moment, what do I care if I make a guy feel good or not if he doesn't help me win?
1: Yeah. I know sometimes those guys in the minors, they're like, "Ah, he's not going to play for us." Well, so let's throw him a cookie, keep him happy, keep him. You know, maybe I. I don't know. I, I like. I don't think the guy's going to play for the Leafs in the playoffs this year or anything. But you know, he's.
0: I don't know. This is a crazy game now, man. And nothing. I well, put nothing Pontus past. shocked
1: us. I, I put
0: nothing. Doesn't past he kind
1: of look like off-brand Morgan Riley? Look at the picture. Mm, kind of look like. Discount store Morgan Riley is a yeah. now. You see it a bit? Okay. Feathers.
0: Just Morgan's got better feathers than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it's nice that they can just make that they,
2: you know, there's a long time where they never really used guys from the Marlies. And like before this sort of era of lease hockey where it wasn't used like the way it is now. Yeah. And it just, you know, they always took, remember when Shanahan took over and talking about using it like Grand Rapids with, um, with Detroit yeah. and how they had so much success doing this? It really does feel like it – you know, if you're down there and you're playing well, I think the incentive is really there for those guys that you're going to get a shot to get in Listen, and play with the Leafs, don't you think?
0: I Yeah, but the system is really supposed to be that you are producing blue-chip great guys. Yep. I, I look at this Marley team, and for the most part, the Bobby McMahons uh, – I mean, these guys are like seat fillers, right? At the Academy Awards. They can come in, make you kind of look like you're okay, but are they difference makers? Can they come up and make a difference and then shut the door? That to me is a criticism of, the draft, they're
1: not having high-end draft picks yes. more than the Marleys themselves. Because a lot of these guys, what was this? What was McMahon drafted? I mean, wasn't I, drafted. Wasn't drafted. Yeah. You know, so it's like they're they are making chicken salad in some cases, you, not to be whatever. You, you but.
0: want the system to work like Tampa Bay before they became the, the real Tampa Bay Lightning. Remember with, Col- it was it a, a Palat? Oh, yeah, and Palat, uh, Kalorn, Kalorn, Gord. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Like, and then they, they come up. Now, the Leafs had a little bit of that with Willie for half a season with the Marlies. Right? Connor yep. Brown, Zach Hyman, right? Yeah, yes. Connor Brown, Kapanen, right. yeah. Hyman. Right, and that's... Are there any are, are there any Connor Browns or, or Zach Hymans uh, on the Marlies right now where you can yeah. go, okay, they're just putting in their seasoning and their cooking by next year, you know that they're going to be everyday NHL players? I don't think so. It's probably where Nick Robertson should be playing, but... We shall see where Alex, he ends up. Alex, Steve, like Steve, like uh, Steve's, mm-hmm. would he not be a little pissed off seeing McMahon up before him now? He I had mean, a taste, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Steve's, I mean, they got a couple of he's guys who've seen sizes. little bits. Dargan Chinsev was up for a little bit. Um, Abruzzisi was up last year. At the end of last year, they tried to make him a guy, right? I mean, Joey Anderson has been, I think, good when he's played for for the Marlies. What interests me is Adam Gaudet. Adam Gaudet was a guy, goals. fifteen goals in twenty four games. He was a guy they thought at the start of the year would be a player there's for an, them. There is another
0: one that's probably really pissed off today.
1: You know what I am curious about too is so he's got fifteen goals in twenty five games. He's six foot one ninety five and a left winger. Like it is curious that he he hasn't gotten a shot. Obviously, it speaks to how highly they think of uh, McMahon more than anything. But you'd think he'd get a look at some point. But that's what twenty seven something like that. So they got guys that can come, as you mentioned, be seat fillers. Just knowing, yeah, that's going to come and move the needle in a in a big way.
0: All right. We mentioned uh, Willie Nylander's, uh rise out of the Marlies to the Leafs to star. Super. Star. Superstar. Uh, no. Star. Star. Yes.
1: Stars. There's like, super, how many superstars are in the league? 15? I, I don't know. 10? That's a really good question. <laughs> to me, if you're at 15, that's it's not a super level. That'll be a top 10 guys or superstars.
0: How many guys in the league? About 700. All right. We're going to go through all of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Starting at Anthony Aardvark. <laughs> Honestly, I, I want to go through a little bit of these. this star or superstar. Okay. With the three of us. We won't do it now because it, uh, we're moving Kompuch along. We've got, uh, I think Mike Kelly's going to join us. If I'm not mistaken, Sammy's disappeared to go find him. He's calling I, him now. I do want... I want to go through some names mm-hmm. that are on a on a borderline. here. Mika
1: Zibanejad,
0: you're the good one, we're right? Not, we're that was not, a good not one? we're not ready to go that just was a good yet, one. <laughs> but that is a, that's an interesting name. <laughs> yeah, I, Willie Nielander is an interesting name. Sebastian Ajo. that you you would you would go star or superstar? First of all, before we do that and before we get to Mike Kelly, I mean, you got to think about how you define. Sure between star and superstar all right enough of that let's go to uh hockey analytics uh specialist with the nhl network and sport logic mike kelly how you doing man it's been a while where you been you dumped us <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing well thanks buddy
4: i'm uh I was traveling around a bit seeing family over the holidays and uh in new jersey for the end of the world juniors and and now i'm back home in montreal so all is good how are
0: you we're good um let me ask you something as we uh look at uh, the halfway mark and the trends that you see the first 41 games and the ones that you see in the second one. And I'm just asking you for a a 60,000 view uh, from high above on if if trends and analytics tend to follow the first half to the second half or do we see tighter, more meaningful games and guys kind of slip a little?
4: uh good question year over year you see usually at the start of the season um because it's the start of the year and as, as players you guys know that things get can be a little squirrely in the first couple of weeks um results wise and all that and then at the end of the year you see a little bit of the same as well because a number of different reasons some teams are just out of it they're playing young kids uh, teams trade guys at the deadline and, and don't have the same rosters so the middle section is where you tend to see kind of truer results as you, as you go on. It's why you hear a lot of people say, you know, wait 20 games to see what a team is. Um, that 20 through 60 is probably the best indicator of you know, half your season, 40 games-ish, of what a team might be. So, um, But things are starting to level out now. Obviously, this year, goals continue to go up. Power plays continue to be unstoppable virtually. Um, goaltending is, is tough to, to find elite goalies. Um, we've seen that trend for a couple of years. So that's, that's kind of what you typically notice.
1: Mike, uh, if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you're looking at the division, you got Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay doing what they do yet again. Is there anything that you're seeing that any of these teams are, are they in a tightly knit sort of pack? Or is one of is Boston as is, is far better as their points total looks? Or is one of them worse than the three? Where do you have those three teams?
4: Yeah, I, I think... The standings are, you know, pretty good reflection. Boston, yeah. to me, is the cup favorite. They're, they're number one. Like, Lena Salmark, you look at his record, is he 20, 21, one and one or something? It's ridiculous. Um, so the goaltending's been good. The, the team defense, like, their blue line is fantastic. They're big. They're fast. Um, they, they jump up into the play. Their forward group is terrific. They've had a great third line this year, in addition to what they do in the top six. Um, I, I don't see where you're poking a lot of holes with that team. Tampa Bay, you know, sluggish start, and, you know, again, some injury issues, and they're starting to look more like Tampa Bay as the season goes on, and Toronto's been, you know, they've been really good, Uh, but we've seen that story. So I I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it already also, like, it's halfway through the season. You can pretty much lock in Toronto and Tampa Bay in the first round, it looks like, so that's what everybody that's a Maple Leafs fans waiting for, right? Yep. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter what they do. And the, they could win 39 of the last 40 and they'd probably get first place if they did that. But you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't really matter. It's like no. get that playoff series started and, and that's what it's about.
0: Yep. Mike, I want to ask you about Austin Matthews and his, uh, his pace right now for a 40 goal season, which is incredibly underwhelming when you come off a MVP 60 goal season. Uh, but For the most part, I think he did catch fire in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, that his numbers actually aren't, have not been that far off of what he did uh, last season. But regardless, are there other uh, aspects of what you can see the numbers to say that, yeah, he's, he, he, it matches that he just doesn't look as dominant as he did last season. There
4: is, and it's not it's not jump off the page alarming, but you're right. I, I mean, th- there are things that tend to be uh, excellent indicators of, of how much a guy should be scoring, and you factor in their skill set as well, right? You can look at league averages, but you can also look at Lawson well, Matthews possesses a shot, unlike many players, and is elite in terms of being a goal scorer, but... You know, last year, he was right at the top of the league in things like expected goals, which I know you guys love so much uh, <laughs> talking about the models, um, but, you know, it factors in shot quality and really how much you should probably be scoring. Um, just a more general thing, so where are you getting your shots from? The slot where 75% of goals come from, the inner slot where half of them come from. Matthews dominated those areas last year. This year, he's still very good. Um, he's sixth in slot shots, but last year he was first. Uh, inner slot, he's he's top 15 as well, but he was a little higher last year. So he's still a great shooter, great scorer, gets a ton of chances. Still on pace to score a lot of goals. Um, but, you know, I'm being around hockey your whole lives, you guys have probably heard this one too, right? There's a difference between a 50-goal scorer and a guy who scores 50 goals. I think there's a difference between a 60-goal scorer and a guy who scores 60. I don't know that anybody in the league is a 60-goal scorer, where you can expect that every year. I think Austin scored 60 and you can bank on him getting 45 to 60 in any given year. Um, this might just be closer to 45.
1: Looking around, you know, I'm going to keep it with the Toronto May please. For one more question here, the um, I'm curious about Morgan Riley. And, you know, he's a guy who we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Now starts making 7.5 next year, kind of a big ticket deal. It's a lot hinges on the Leafs, you know, When you go up against great teams like Tampa and they got Headman, and Boston's got McAvoy or Lindholm or whoever you like as their number one. What do you make of Riley's season so far this season? I know he's been hurt, Um but, you know, it seems to me that they're, they're struggling right now or he's struggling a little bit and not quite having his best show.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um There were times in past seasons where for spurts, like there was a few years ago, I don't remember exactly which one, but his first kind of 20 games, I thought he was in the Norris conversation, A like, really good start. Um, I think when he's playing at that kind of the top level that he can, he's, you can kind of think of him as that number one, true number one defenseman, but maybe overall, he's not that. Um, and in, I, I know Lee fans have been talking about this a little bit this year as well with Riley that, um, you know, maybe underperforming compared to what they've seen in the past or what they expect from him. So I do think that's fair. Um, I, I, I still don't view him. I, you guys are just talking about stars and superstars, right? If Hedman's the kind of guy you're looking at as that's a number one defenseman, I don't think Morgan Riley's in that class, obviously. But um, can he be a good enough one on this team? I think he can. And you just look at, yeah, he, he missed time um, w- with injuries. And he's only played, what, 26 games, I think, this season. Um So maybe that's some part of it, right, where he hasn't got that consistency in his game. But you look at what the Leafs have done defensively this season. It's, you know, they've been a good defensive team for a few years now, but this might be the best they've been defensively. And he's still a part of that guy who eats a lot of minutes, right?
0: Mike, we've had a lot of conversations in the last little while on uh, Yarncroc playing with Tavares and Marner and I'm just wondering now, when you see a guy like Yarn Kroc, and we know he was signed as a depth guy uh, that can certainly jump up in the lineup if needed, but is there ever times that you look at a guy like Yarn Kroc who, for the most part, is projected to be in your bottom six? Is there, is there enough evidence, analytically, statistically, that says that uh, this guy now warrants top six positioning to even go to a, a Stanley cup playoffs. Can you be talked into, can I be talked into yarn from what you have, what you can gather to be that guy that runs shotgun with Tavares and, and Marner in the playoffs?
4: Great question. Um, the line's been good and I'm, I'm real hesitant to give too much of that credit to yarn I mean, look at who he's playing with and I don't want to take anything away from the guy. He's been fine there. Uh but I, I look, you know, kind of those things that you're talking about, Kipper underneath, and he's not the guy driving the line, he's not the guy driving the chances. Um, it's the other two. So what he is 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 a pretty responsible player. He doesn't turn the puck over very much. Um, you know, there's good defensive parts to his game as well. But I i definitely kind of think he's a byproduct of or that line's success has been a byproduct of Murder and Tavares almost entirely uh more so than yarn has been doing a lot of the heavy lifting so it's not always easy playing with star players and playing in the top six um we've seen lots of star players struggle to find wingers to have chemistry with and and players that they can be successful with so i give him credit certainly um but i don't i don't view him as a top six guy i think he's just in a great spot right now and he's you know he's playing well with two really good players
1: Mike, I want to get your thoughts on a couple other teams and if their spot in the standings is legit or not. The Winnipeg Jets, who we're going to talk about today, are uh, second in the Central, first in terms of winning percentage, and uh, the Florida Panthers are uh, not good. Um, are those two teams? Are they? Uh, is it fair that the, those teams are where they are in the standings? I don't think it's fair
4: for Florida. Um, you do because I, I don't think it's fair for Florida. I, I think. Like goaltending's really sunk them this year, uh. and you know what? They haven't been great defensively. They've been kind of average, but you know they produce so much in terms of offense and chances and everything like that. Uh, and they're not scoring as much as they should either. So some of that blame can be laid there too, I guess. um I, I, you know, I don't know. A month or so ago, I said, you know, I still think this team could could compete, certainly for a playoff spot, maybe even get into the top three. Um, and the goaltending just hasn't come around, and you know what they're, I guess they could be better defensively they They haven't been, it's not killing them. They've been okay, but um, I don't, I think it's too late for them. I think they're missing the playoffs at this point, which is crazy, crazy to think considering last season, Winnipeg. I absolutely think is fair. Um, I love what the Winnipeg jets have done this year. Uh, there's not too much deviation between what they're creating offensively and what they're scoring. It seems sustainable to be kind of where they're at. And you know, defensively, they're second in the league, I think, in goals against average. They've improved their team defense so much. I give so much credit to Rick Bonus, the coaching staff there. Also to the players who seem to be buying in for the first time in a while. And I don't know why that wasn't happening with past coaching staffs um, and different rosters in in previous years. Their team defense has been so much better. They're not getting caught running around in their own end and and bleeding chances and, and defending all the time. Um, that's been a huge noticeable improvement. So I think the Jets are legit. I think the the Jets could not only, you know, finish near at the top of their division, but win a round or two and make some noise in the playoffs.
0: One more for me, Mike, and that was going into this week. Uh, Some excitement about the Buffalo Sabres, maybe making a push here. And then they go lose to the Philadelphia Flyers. (laughs) Like, come on. What is wrong with Buffalo here? It, is it a foregone conclusion that we're just, we're dealing with the three in the East now?
4: I think so. I think, uh, I think we're dealing with the three in the, in the Atlantic. Atlantic, Yeah. yeah, And then five in the Metro is, and it's, it's tough schedule wise to get a five and three. It doesn't happen a lot, um, but the Metro is so strong. And look, Buffalo, they're scoring four goals a game. I mean, that, that offense is absolutely electric, but, I don't want to use the Philly game as an example because they were just really bad in that first period. Um, they got shot sixteen to five and uh, had some awful turnovers. But they're they're not a very strong defensive team, and they can get decent goaltending. But um, you know, UP, UPL there has been Uko uh, Pekalukan, and I butcher that every time. But I think
1: that one was, that one was pretty clean. Who could call you uh, on it if you didn't get it yes. right? Really, I mean? sounding good to you us. <laughs>
4: Yeah, no, Buffalo. Look, I think they still have a ways to go, and, uh, and and not too far, maybe, but to, to really be a true competitor, we know they can score, uh, but they struggle to defend still. And and I'm, I'm with you. I think it's the three Atlantic teams and and uh, five in the Metro. All
1: right, Mike. the Last one for me. Just want to you know love reading your stuff and seeing you on camera whenever we can. What are you working on these days? You got any? You got, what do you got your nose in for uh, the the analytics these days? Anything you're working on?
4: Ah, uh, good question. Um, nothing kind of big picture right now. Just doing a lot of kind of halfway through the season, looking around. Yeah. One thing that I just did for the NHL Network, and I guess if people want to see it, they can go to my Twitter account, um, was looking at just anomalies at the halfway point of the year, like things that just don't make a lot of sense. Um, Mark Shifley, he had, he had, when I did this a few days ago, nine assists and 23 goals. His playmaking stats were like top 10 in the league, just through the roof. And I start watching video, it's like guys missing the net, guys hitting the post. He's setting up all these great chances. Um, So that's one that I think will correct itself, and he'll have a lot more assists with guys coming back. The other one, real quick, um, is Connor McDavid, and you know, shocker to nobody, he's scoring a ton of goals off the rush this year. Um, But he's actually scoring more than he really ever has. He scored last night his 17th goal off the rush, uh, that great uh, takeaway in the neutral zone. Uh, he's never scored more than 19 in a season and he's halfway done this year. So, wow. you know, we talk about he scored 34. He could win the rocket. He's never done that. He's never scored 50. How's he doing all these things? He's even better at the thing that he's already the best at, um, which is pretty crazy to think about.
0: Mike, always a pleasure having you on the show. Really appreciate your feedback. I hey, appreciate you having me on and uh, enjoy the rest of it, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Mike Kelly. Yeah, McDavid's uh, going to have 50 goals, like, by February. Yeah, and they missed, may miss the playoffs. Good point. What is, I uh, oh, oh.
1: like, that's tough Look for Ken Holland. Oh, if Evander Kane meant that much to your season,
0: that you know. lose one guy uh, and you miss playoffs it, it, in a crap it, division. It is great what Evander Kane brings you, but it's the blue line. Blue line's awful. It's Cody they, Cc is not a top two defenseman. You in know, the National Hockey League.
1: You know, listening to Stauffer yesterday talking about how much they miss Duncan Keith is like, you know, yeah, I, I I, guess they do. But it is, it does remind you like how thin they were that Keith was so important to them. They got Nurse and CeCe as a pair, Kulak and Barry as a pair, Broberg and Bouchard as a pair. Like n- no one defends particularly great in that group. Kulak, I guess. Just I'm just hoping
2: for the report this summer after they missed the playoffs just from you know somebody's oh, somebody's Twitter account. McDavid's had enough. McDavid, <laughs> McDavid rumblings of Connor McDavid. Unhappy, unhappy with uh with the way the team is run. Yeah. Oh
0: D- give it to him. Did me. we do Sheldon Keefe on uh McMahon? Did we play that already? We did. Yeah, we did oh, that God, one. I just totally... Whatever. <laughs> He's such a remarkable guy. Uh if in fact uh JB's spider senses uh, hold true here, and you don't see Matthews. We'll probably see Nylander play center. Really? That'd be great. That would be wonderful. He did that in playoffs against
1: Columbus. Yeah, that's when Keith was really getting tricky. Keith, it was like Keith's first year, wasn't it? Yeah, and he, and he was got, like, you got tricky. Game and- five, he put Tavares Marner and uh,
2: Matthews on a line. Yeah, and he brought back Andreas Janssen, who hadn't played in six months. I was on board for, with that. For at the game time. five. Yeah, Robertson was in. Yes, and he was an infant at that point. He was an
0: infant. Yes, he was. Willie's
1: playing center. It was
0: child labor so, at <laughs> that the, the lines are Bunting, uh, Nylander, and Engvall. Yarn Kroc would stay with Tavares and Marner. Kerfoot, Kempf, and McMahon would play together. And then Aston Reese, Holmberg, and Hunt. Yeah. So what do you think? Nylander, Bunting. Wait, what do Engvall? What? What do you think of that line?
1: Ah, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, like just in terms of unless it truly is just a placeholder and Matthews definitely. And what would that line, when would you use that
0: line? What's that line's purpose? That's your second second best line. You do here. right? (laughs) Tavares, Marner, and Yarnkrog would play. I guess you start them in the O zone. Nylander,
1: Bunting, and Engvall.
0: How do you not start Nylander you're right in the off. uh whatever line zone, Nylander's
1: on is starting is in the offense, a
2: top six line. Yeah, justice for our boy Holmberg. A center goes down and he doesn't get to go into the top six. Come on, let's see what he can do up there. Get him it's, in there, push
0: for punt. He has. Uh, he's, there's been a bit of a slide, just a tad. No, he's been just perfect. a tad perfect. Tipper will
1: never let us just put on the rose glasses
0: and see. Yes. You know,
1: pretend someone's flawless, eh?
0: Yeah, just yeah. a slight. I don't mind him kind of pulling the reins in a, a little bit on uh, on Holmberg. You, gotta, you got got 40 games to build this guy up to be a, an important guy. He took a
2: bad offensive zone penalty against the Flyers. He stuck his stick in a the, stupid the spot. The trip. The yeah. trip. Yeah. That was the first mistake I've ever seen him make. So.
0: What would Aston Reese have to do <laughs> no, to get out of the lineup? <laughs> There's not one thing he can do. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. Ken Weeb is going to come by, Sportsnet contributor based out of Winnipeg, uh, we're going to get in deep on Winnipeg, and uh, yeah, we're giving love to the Winnipeg Jets, yes, Jets because left. I I did write them off at the There's beginning. Better of the, year. Than the Leafs, hey? No. better. <laughs> What's that clip from when uh, they beat the Leafs? The Jets. Oh, thank no, God. God! Oh, nothing Who, better than beating, beating the Leafs. I thought that was my uh, clip out of uh, my kitchen. Uh, <laughs> yelling years at ago, <laughs> Yelling at my kid? My kid? That wasn't it. And then Brian Lawton is going to come by. In the second hour, and uh, and we'll get into a deeper conversation on tanking for bedard. All right, so much more. Meat on the bone, real kipper and born back after these words. We're gonna welcome Ken Weep uh, momentarily, but I got to tell you, I'm really getting excited about our star or superstar conversation <laughs> coming up. Uh, a little later on in the show. It's an important uh, disclaimer. Which right, area? Let's welcome in Ken. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. And uh, I got to be honest with you, since Sportsnet kind of brought you on and uh, stopped ignoring the Winnipeg Jets, um, they've taken it to another level, man. They are they are fun to watch. <laughs>
5: <On the DL. laughs> oh, that's, oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. So you're not blaming me for last year's uh, struggles. That's no. No, uh, Nikki. I appreciate that. Starting uh, no now. <laughs> Uh, since I was full-time okay perfect okay Rick, don't 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 give the credit to Rick Bonus. give it to me okay, yeah exactly I'm, I'm, there, I'm there for it
0: so when when we look at the Winnipeg Jets now what's what's the biggest what's the uh, most noticeable thing that stands out on their success for you is it the man you yeah, just so mentioned
5: yeah Rick Bonus uh being able to get the buy-in especially structurally defensively obviously they have one of the best goalies in the league in Connor Hellebuck but you know, as Mike Kelly said, they're not bleeding chances the way they did last year. The high danger chances, the grade A's were uh, off the charts last year. This was a team that was very good offensively, but uh, didn't care particularly much when they didn't have the puck, at least if that's what it seemed like to the outside. Um, obviously, we've known they've had offensively gifted players for a long time. But uh, Connor Hellbuck playing at an elite level, but you know, this is a team that's commit, more committed defensively. Uh, their special teams have improved dramatically, and they got a top-five penalty kill. And even though their their power play was hindered by the fact they had seven guys out of the lineup, but I mean, this is a team that that is much more committed without the puck. And Rick Bonus has just done a fabulous job of you know demanding accountability. And uh, Nikki, you played on some teams. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you're ready to really be coached. And I think maybe that's what the not, the, the Jets weren't rock bottom in terms of being you know 30th or 32nd, but. Uh, they had some lofty expectations that weren't met, and I think they were a little bit more open to the suggestions that Rick Bonus had when he arrived on the scene here.
1: That's actually a natural transition to what I wanted to ask you about, which was Blake Wheeler and what his relationship is like with the team and his role on the team as someone who was stripped of the captaincy to start the season. It felt like there may be some conflict there, you know, the big contract. Where are things at now with Wheeler and the team?
5: Yeah, Justin, I mean, Blake really handled this like a professional. Obviously, it would have been a big blow. I mean, this is a guy who took enormous pride in being the captain. I mean, he was one of the first Jets to buy a home in the community. I mean, he's been here all 12 seasons, uh, took enormous pride in wearing that C. But I think he's the kind of guy who put a little bit too much at times on his own shoulders. Uh, And I think that one of the things Rick found in terms of his conversations with other players is that they wanted to have a little bit more of a communal approach to the leadership uh, and you know, having three alternates rather than one captain who had a very strong voice, I think, has really helped. Uh, Blake, obviously, when he showed up on the scene, he said, you know, if you think I'm just going to shrink into the background, you're sadly mistaken. And uh, he's backed that up not only with words and leadership, but also in terms of his play on ice. I mean, prior to his gruesome injury, he was producing at nearly a point a game rate. And um, you know, he's a guy who is provided you know offense for a long time for this team but i think his leadership has has been really impressive this year and a team that has a bunch of young emerging guys who wanted to have a, a stronger voice and those guys have done their part as well but uh you know blake wheeler has done a nice job of handling what could have been an uncomfortable situation and i mean the other part too blake was very open about it before training camp when the announcement was made both sides uh, you know were open to a possible you know breakup in the off season that didn't transpire and you know that didn't filter slip into his play either. I mean, he's a guy who's been very motivated and has done a really nice job on a number of levels. And it's allowed him, I feel like there's been a weight lifted from his shoulders a little bit. It just allowed him to go out and play hockey rather than worry about some of the other things. And, you know, as a 35 year old now, you know, do I have to, you know, you know worry about things other than playing? I think he's just going out and playing and uh, he's always been more of a lead by example kind of guy also. And, you know, kudos to him for being able to handle, handle that, uh, you know, in a professional manner and, and you know, to be able to play at the level he has.
0: Ken, as far as the decision uh, on the captaincy and overall how, uh, you know, a guy like Rick Bonus can uh, uh, allocate uh, and empower people around him, it just, there's, it seems to be such a, a vast difference of maybe, uh, well, first of all, coaching style between uh, Paul Maurice and what uh, the players have been used to and, and now Rick Bonus. And uh, no question that Paul Maurice had a, a all-in buy-in on on Blake Wheeler and and what he meant to the team and how he gave him uh, a chance to take control of that dressing room. And now Bonus comes in and kind of spreads it out. And even the sense that I get, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you know when it comes to Rick Bonus, uh, you mentioned the accountability, and he's certainly there to either kick you in the ass or maybe pat you on the back, but. A lot of that stuff that uh, is around the team maybe fall into the lap of Brad Lauer, uh, Scott Arneil, who was a head coach. I mean, they're probably doing more coaching X's and O's than than bonus, and bonus can just focus on you know the the smaller details on on maybe what what ticks for some guys.
5: Yeah, I love the word that you use the word empower, Kipper. I mean, I think that's really something that's been very important. Like you said, I mean, the star players always felt empowered in the Paul Maurice era. I think that sometimes the players, the complimentary players, maybe didn't always feel as big a part of it. Uh, that sort of not only holds to leadership, but ice time and responsibility. So, uh, I think that Rick's Rick's ability to get accountability, and I, and I don't think that don't think for a second that Paul Maurice didn't want <laughs> didn't want these guys to play better defensively, but uh, Rick's ability to provide a bit of a you know a striking critique but doing it in a bit more of a caring manner uh, I think is something that you know from talking to players is something that really has hit home with them uh Rick can be very you know very cut and dried he says he he hates gray areas that's one of the things Rick said for on the first day of training camp so but at the same time he's not you know he's he's doing it from a position of the, the players know that they care that he cares about them that he only wants the best for them. And I think that's that's what's allowed them to want to be coached, to use a phrase Mark Shifley has used. I mean, he said he wanted to be pushed and he wanted to be coached, and, and he's playing that way. I mean, Mike mentioned only, you know, now he has, now he has 11 assists after having a couple of the other night. But Mark's play has been at a really high level. I mean, this is, would be the first time in seven seasons he hasn't played at a point-of-game rate but a lot of people would make the argument Mark Scheip is playing some of his best hockey. I mean, he's on pace for 46, you know, 46 to 49 goals. Um, you know, and the assist is not, not a matter of not setting up guys. It's been a matter of not converting. And a lot of those right. top six guys, like think Lyle has only played, you know, four games this season. So I think that's impacted his numbers to a degree also, especially on the power play. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been impressive to see how the team has rallied around him. Uh, you know, now they had a little bit of a rough patch in December where they had 16 games in 30 days and they, they were missing a lot of key components, but they got through that three game losing skid and have won five in a row. And, you know, I'm with Mike. I mean, this is the team that it's not smoke and mirrors. It's not a team that, you know, analytically should crumble down the stretch. I mean, they should be getting better. I mean, they're getting healthier mm-hmm. uh, and I think they probably their best should be around the corner. And I mean, as Rick Bonus has said, structurally they've improved but they're not at a you know Stanley Cup level yet but they feel like they can grow into that during the second half of the season.
1: So you know, looking at that division, they have taken advantage of some seasons from teams that I guess have uh, we would call underwhelming. Minnesota, what do they have? 113 points last year doesn't seem like they're on that pace. Nashville's below expectations. Colorado, St. Louis, like would the Jets look at this team at this division now and say we should be serious buyers here? This this may be an opportunity to to make some hay.
5: Yeah, Barney. I mean, it's just super interesting. I mean, so their window is interesting. You know, Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck. And Dubois, depending on how that shakes down in the summertime, is only on the one-year deal. But all four of those guys, potential UFA's in the same summer of 2024. So that would that would you know ramp up the urgency for a team like the Jets. Obviously, yes, the turnaround is welcome, but for them, depending on how they manage their assets, like you know, their widest part of the window might be now. So, and especially with what you've mentioned, it seems a little bit more open. Uh, it's a little bit like the Jays in the in the AL East, right? I mean, it seems like. If the Red Sox are down, the Jets, the Jays would be going for it. Same for the Jets. I mean, it's if some of these other teams are, you know, I think another thing you guys mentioned with, with Mike, I think Boston is the only elite team in the NHL right now. I think there's a lot of right. very good, to, you know, to to excellent teams, but I think there's really only one elite team. So if that's the case, that should lead teams like Dallas and Winnipeg to kind of push all your chips to the middle. I mean, what that looks like, I don't know, but um, you know, if, if I'm Kevin off, I think you're swinging for a bull Horvat type or. You know, maybe, or or more of an Arturi Leckman and a middle six guy that you can. You know, I think Barbashev would be a perfect fit, a guy who can give you some offense but give you some edge. So, uh, I think that's probably where they'd be shopping. But I mean, the Jets have a lot of top six forwards. But if you're getting greedy, they probably would like another one. Uh, they could use some physicality on the bottom six and maybe even another defenseman. Uh, but I mean, that's a that's a pretty hefty shopping list to be uh, to be trying to outbid teams. And that's the thing that's interesting to me. There's so many teams that are in it. Not as many sellers, maybe, as we suspected uh, in the early going.
0: So we're all in agreement that it has to be this year. I mean, the names that you mentioned going into 2024, uh, a market like Winnipeg, there's, there's not a chance that you leave these assets to chance that they walk out the door for free. And we haven't even had a conversation on Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has uh, told the whole world that uh, he doesn't want to be a Winnipeg Jet long term.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting too, Nick, right? I mean, 47 points now for Dubois, 19 goals. I mean, he's had an unbelievable start. So that's why I use Horvat as an example. I mean, so for me, he's almost Dubois insurance. Because if you, if they can't get Dubois in the summer to commit, maybe then you have to trade him like they did with Truba. Then you give that money that you would have allocated to Dubois, to Bull Horvat, if you can convince him to stick around for, you know, eight plus or whatever it takes. But, I mean, they, probably they're looking at trying to sign Hellebuck. I would say he's probably the... The other, if they can't get Dubois signed, then Hellbuck has to be the priority. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just super interesting in terms of how quickly you know things can change in terms of windows. I mean, the Jets thought their best window was 2018-19 after getting to the conference final, and we know how that worked out with uh, with some unexpected turn of events. So, uh, it, it's a fascinating time for them. And you know, I know your question. You guys are coming up with it. I mean, is Kyle Connor a superstar? He's got the same number of yeah. goals as Austin Matthews, and he has the same number of points as Mitch Marner, right? So 20 and 49, he's a guy who had a tough start, only two goals in the first 13 games, but he's been red hot of late. So, you know, coming off a 90-plus you know, point season and trending for, you know, potentially 85 to 90 again. So uh, I'm very curious to see how the Jets handle this. I mean, they obviously, we thought they'd make more changes in this pass-off season, but... They stuck with their core, and their core has rewarded them, but I think they've also shown Kevin Shemble off that they need another couple of pieces. I would expect them to kind of follow the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning model where they're adding a couple of important forward pieces and maybe you know, a depth piece on the back end uh, if they can get one. But, man, it's going to be uh, the second half of the season should be uh, fascinating to see how it unfolds.
1: You know, the uh, the thing that caught my ear sort of listening to Mike and yourself talk about the Jets is the improved defensive part of it. Looking at that decor, Morrissey DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Heinola Schmidt, like that's a pretty good decor. It's a good group. What would they be looking to add to that?
5: Well, maybe two, I guess. with Brandon Dillon, with, with Samberg being out for Hanola tonight, I mean, they don't have a ton of... Bite. They have guys that play hard, but they're not overly physical outside yeah. of Brennan Dillon. So I wonder if they want it Maybe if your seventh defenseman has a little bit more bite. Uh, and you know, Sandberg's done a really good job in terms of shot blocking and the penalty kill and all of that. So. Uh, like I said, I think that would be maybe on the greedy side if they're looking to add a defenseman. I because I teams would always say they never have enough of them. So, but their ability to defend has been, you know, much more solid with kind of an unheralded group. You know, outside of Josh Morrissey's kind of Nor- Norris-level season, I mean, there's a guy whose previous high was 37 points. He's already got 46 and counting at the midway point oh. uh, as they hit it tonight. I mean, he's really elevated, and, and that's the thing, Rick. Nick, we talked about empowering earlier. You know, he he went into his conversation with Josh. Uh, Morrissey and basically said, hey, I want you in the top ten Morris conversation by the end of the year. You have the green light to join, and he's done it in a manner that is, you know, different than what we've seen in the past, where you know the green light doesn't mean you're taking unnecessary risk. It's calculated risk, and they've also had the forwards covering off. But I mean, Josh Josh Morrissey's really been unlocked by Rick uh, Bonus, and uh, you know his play has been another one of the reasons why the Jets are you know first in points percentage and you know, they'll send bonus to the all-star game for the first time if they can, you know, they can win tight against the Detroit Red Wings. So, uh, it, it's been interesting to, to monitor on that front as well.
0: Ken, just one more for me, uh, the market, the hockey market in Winnipeg. I, I know after so many years of consistent sellouts, it's become a bit of an issue here coming out of the pandemic and. uh just the overall health of the Winnipeg Jets and the support, and or is there a slight concern about uh, you know affordability in Winnipeg?
5: Yeah, Nick. I mean, it, it's definitely a concern. I would say that uh, you know they have rallied a little bit during the Christmas break here. They, I think they had three sellouts out of four games, so I think that was probably something that they would uh, they would have considered a you know a nice turn of events for sure. Uh, you know, the team is obviously having more success than they did last year. So I think that's maybe uh, a sign of maybe things to come in terms of the interest level still is pretty high, but I mean, for sure. I mean, it's something where the the, the province was, was hit pretty hard by COVID. So there were a lot of people that, uh, you know, were hit, you know, impacted financially and uh, they've seen that at the gate for sure. But, uh, you know, that that's another thing too. I'm with you. I'll be watching that closely during the second half, but, I mean, this is, a, this is an old community that really rallied around bringing the Jets 2.0 version back uh, back in 2011, and uh, I would think they would they would be doing that again. But I mean, what does it, what does a playoff run mean in that front too? Right, that would be something where uh, it's a lot easier to support a winning franchise, I guess. So
1: yeah, you know,
5: like I said, I don't have the answers, but uh, I do know that you know for it was a couple of lean years on those fronts, but uh, it looks like over the break there was a little bit of. Uh, reason for momentum or optimism uh, for the organization, I guess, in terms of the attendance. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it'll be something to definitely monitor during the second half and you know, on, during a playoff push, uh, provided the Jets can punch their ticket.
0: As we will be watching as well. Hey, Weeps, thanks for doing this, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me,
5: guys. Enjoy the rest of the show.
0: Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. Sportsnet contributor based in Winnipeg. Uh, th- I enjoyed that. They ha- Yeah, I liked, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, just... I'm tired of your takes with the Leafs. I know. Someone tell
1: me about the Jets. I don't know enough <laughs> about the Jets. It was
0: great. Uh, they have to go for it this year. And then they're going to have to trade uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois in the offseason. You don't think it's one of those things like Jake DeBrusque where he's like, I want out,
1: and then it turns out the team's good, and they get a new coach, and he goes, I don't, I'm not so sure anymore.
0: Nope. Oh. No? Nope. <laughs> Do you want to think about it's that? It's not even a no. No. It's a nope.
1: You just think that's a guy who just wants to be somewhere else.
0: On the earth, mostly. How's he going to look in uh, Montreal? Oh, really? Oh, come on. Read the tea leaves.
1: He's an RFA, though, after this year, correct?
0: but a free agent unrestricted after that.
1: Yeah, so he'd have the one more year, so they signed him to a one-year deal.
0: he's, uh, He's Austin Matthews.
1: So I guess if you're Winnipeg, Jesus you say... Christ. What? I, I just what? ignored that. I ignored that, eh? Like, I was just going to carry on. on me? I'm the
2: I'm the fish who bit the hook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you hear that sound he I, made when I said, like, Austin Matthews? Yeah, it was his diaphragm say, oh. constricting. It's like you, you lost your breakfast there's some, there's from
2: the some, other end. There's some guy that tweets me every day that's like, oh, you're what are you doing behind it? Banging on a drum, hitting your pen. Like, he's pissed off about the sounds I'm making, so hopefully he's not too pissed about that <laughs> sound that I just made.
0: <laughs> this is not a conversation on Austin Matthews. Oh, I was okay. just referring sure? that he has a similar situation, except he showed his cards. What are his cards? He wants to leave. Who? Pierre-Luc Dubois. Oh, okay.
1: Good. Yes. He wants to leave. He he did show his cards. He flipped him over on the table and said, yes. I, got, I got pocket rockets,
0: boys. Which, again, it's remarkable that they can just go about their business, win. He's having a career year, Pierre-Luc mm-hmm. Dubois. and Don't, knowing, think, don't think they're doing Kawhi and Dine in out.
1: Winnipeg to keep him if he's that disgr-
0: <laughs> disgruntled. Think about what life would be like if... Austin did the same thing Pierre Luc Dubois did in Winnipeg. Oh, it's so true. They're, they're, <laughs> think about the world there. <laughs> Sammy, <laughs> would you even show up to work? I don't even
1: know.
2: Every day? Yeah. I would. I like this job. I like you guys. I like seeing you. You would day. turn would every
0: day on Matthews I'm and thrilled. be
1: like, <laughs> come on, the, you know, we're so sorry. Come would, back, Matthews. We'll sign you. And then the would be like, forget him. Who cares anyway?
0: Would <laughs> there ever be a world you could see where the Leafs could. Just play it out a year, yeah, uh, or just have success like Winnipeg was having. If if Austin did the same thing Pierre Luc Dubois did, yes, really? Yeah, no, I think this this town would be upside down. Our show would suck because it's all we would talk about. It'd be a bad. I mean, it's kind of all we talk about now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now we about it in a month. What what athlete has ever uh showed his cards like that? I don't know. I don't. I. I mean, yeah. I mean, you might know in in football or baseball mm. or whatever, but. For, then he's another guy we can go star, superstar. I mean, he's a good player. He's at times Connor a times a very playing good player. Bedard
1: Pierre-Luc Dubois. Dubois is a center, though, isn't he? I he's guess. a center. So they, he, what, he can
0: give a 2C. is he, 6'5"? So if you're
1: Winnipeg, you want to sign Dubois to an eight-year contract so that you can trade him to Montreal.
0: You no, know, you don't even get to do that. You can just trade him. Well, he doesn't doesn't need to sign an eight-year deal. So this offseason, Dubois... They can do a sign-and-trade for him to get the extra eight-year. Right. But you certainly don't want to go into next season knowing that if you don't trade him, he's leaving anyways for nothing.
1: So you'd rather trade him preseason than sign him for one year and try to...
0: Yeah, and I think if... uh, if Winnipeg sucked this year, we'd be having Bo Horvath conversations with Pierre Luc Dubois.
2: Right. It's just it's hilarious listening to. We I really like that interview too. It's nice to hear yeah. a different team. But every market that's good has the same conversations. Oh yeah, right. He's like, ah, oh, you know, Horvat maybe and a defensive, uh, yes. a gritty
1: defenseman. How it's about, like how everyone wants the guy who's just under the radar? He's like, Barbershev would be perfect. Like, we we did, said the same thing. The we had a 15-minute conversation last I, I, I actually was thinking about it. I was like, Barbershev might have the most value on the market. Everyone thinks they're going after a tier two, the guy who's at the top of tier two. Oh, they get a first for Barbershev. Yes. Oh, yes. Which is crazy to think about. You think they get a first, Kip? For Barbershev? Guy had 24 goals last year.
0: Yes. Yeah. What did uh what did Col- what did Montreal get for Colorado for Lekkinen? the second and a, th- a fourth or second and, and a, a player, third? right? Yeah. I like Lekkinen. Like a Baron? A I'd love that. Well and for a Leckunen, uh he had he had uh he wasn't a rental either though. No, didn't they re sign him? He was a rental. Oh he was a rental, and yeah. They, and
2: then they re signed him.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're Big right. deal too. Mm-hmm. You know who else is underrated right now uh in Winnipeg? And we mentioned him just uh, Brendan Dillon, that guy's voice good became no. Uh, <laughs> it, it became more powerful the in that Matt room when uh, when they started spreading out the leadership.
1: Interesting. I can relate to being in a dressing room where you're, where it's like everyone would let be better off if that guy over there would just maybe dial it back a bit. Like you know, this isn't your team.
0: One guy. Blake Wheeler was that guy in Winnipeg.
1: That seems like it, right? Where I'm sure everyone uh, did their interviews with Bonus and was like, everything's great here. It's great. Can you tell
0: Blake to just relax? It must have, that that conversation must have been really strong for them to make that decision to strip him of his captaincy.
1: Yeah, and of course, they would frame it to Wheeler as we want less pressure on you. We want you to not have to be a coach uh presence. We want you just to play, and you know to Weeb's point they he's almost a point per game guy. He's been pretty good for him statistically. can't say I've watched him super close, but seems like things are working out for the jets, so sometimes uh addition by a little bit of subtraction in terms of effort on his part in the room
0: okay, let's take a quick break here because we're going to bring back uh Brian Lawton. lots we got lots with lots after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee back after these words. We're going to welcome in Brian Lawton, guy that's done it all, played, agent, Mm -hmm. general manager.
1: I would say he's qualified to weigh in on the sport, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Analyst.
0: Bring in Brian Lott. Lots, where where are you right now? You're you're just all over the world. I am in
6: wonderful Minnesota, looking at a very frozen lake, as you can imagine. <laughs> very similar weather to Toronto, a little bit colder, obviously.
0: Nice. Uh, I want to start with the, the back half of the season and and the approach. Uh, let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs and knowing that you've got forty. Plus games to prepare for the Tampa Bay Lightning. How does that how does that change the mindset from here on end? Uh micro or macro managing here?
6: Well, certainly from a macro standpoint, you always want to have an eye as to who you will potentially meet to start the playoffs. I always think that's the most dangerous round for anybody. You know, you're not quite into it yet, and surprises can happen, but uh if I were Toronto, I'd be looking at ways that I think I can consistently beat the lightning. Uh it's not an easy task as we all know. They they continue to kind of defy the odds, losing good players, but they continue to put together a good squad year in and year out.
1: Lots. I looking at the deadline here for the Leafs, one of the teams that comes up that has available players, Arizona Coyotes, the Leafs trade with them regularly. And I wanted to get your take on regular trade partners and, you know, what's the deal with the Leafs trading so much with one team in particular? Is it just a relationship between the GMs? Is it coincidence circumstance? How does that come to play out? And is it a good thing?
6: Uh, I think relationships play a big part in it. People you're comfortable with.
1: You know, when
6: you look at Arizona, I think you guys are bang on. uh, Just just by chance, I can't think of anybody. Maybe Anaheim's about the same. I just did this exercise the other day. You know, when you're managing a club, you always want to, particularly this year, I believe, because I'm not sure it's a great seller's market. But in terms of the buyer's perspective, I think you want to, Be prepared to pay top dollar for a player or top assets for a player, but you'd also like to try to sneak another player or two out of there. When you say Arizona, everybody thinks Chickering. Well, there are guys like Nick Buebstedt that's having a pretty good year at a real affordable salary. There are guys like Travis Boyd Hmm. that aren't that expensive that are pretty good players. Toronto's already gone the Nick Ritchie route, so that's probably not a fit for them. Uh, but they're a team with a number of guys potentially uh, that could be in play. And uh, someone's going to have to pay such a boatload for chicken at the end of the day that I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody maybe uh, try to grab another player or two on the way out the door.
0: Lots, all this talk about uh, generational player, Connor uh, Bedard being available. And it's fairly obvious to all of us, uh, the teams that will tank and, you know, whether it's Arizona or Chicago, uh, Montreal, the talk has been followed them right from the beginning of the season. And then there's other teams like we'll see the one against the Leafs tomorrow night, like the Nashville Predators, where you think that there's every reason why they should bottom out and start again, but they seem to have that kind of that concept that we're going to cheat death here. And, uh, and we're not going to have to go through that and we'll, we'll get we'll get good again I think the Rangers kind of went through that for a short period about two or three years and they seem to be okay but can can a team like Nashville actually uh, delay the inevitable to the point where they they can compete for a Stanley Cup without bottoming out
6: well I think they're really smart to focus on them I mean you know you make a good point Tipper the the teams that look like they're going to be in the running and Philadelphia's played a little better lately, but Anaheim, Arizona, Chicago, Columbus, Montreal, um, Philadelphia, San Jose—you know—those teams look like they'll be in the running for Connor Bedard. Don't forget, there really are four pretty good players in this draft. Not at the level of Bedard, but it's a pretty good draft on the high end. And then you get into that second tier group of players, and I look at this almost every two weeks, and it changes all the time. I'm looking at an old ranking I did not too long ago. I had Buffalo, Detroit, and Nashville, as well as Ottawa, St. Louis, and Vancouver as another grouping of teams that could potentially fall into that mix. Nashville is a team to me that has started to play much better lately. They'd like to think they could go on a run as we're at the halfway point. But if that doesn't materialize, I wouldn't be surprised to see them consider um moving a player or two now. I mean, they just got Ryan McDonough in. Would you move Mac? He'd be awfully highly sought after. Uh, there's just a lot to unpack this year. I think it's going to be a really unique year. I think some of these non-traditional teams that you see in that mix are going to change it up. And uh, ultimately, I think there'll be so many teams this year that are so interested in what's going on with Connor Bedard it probably won't be a great seller's market when you add it all
1: up lots well, for the Toronto Maple Leafs who are decidedly not tanking for Connor Bedard. They have all their hopes pinned on Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray. Um, if you were the GM, how you know, what would you be thinking at this point of the season? Both guys have played 16 games and are nine 16 save percentages. Are you comfortable going into the postseason with your job on the line with those two guys as your goalies? I don't think you could ever be
6: fully comfortable in that position under the scenario that sure. you're describing. However, I do think it's a tall ask to try to change that up at this stage. Um, you know, I mean, who's really out there that would be a decided upgrade, right? You know, John Gibson, I guess, you know, you guys could embarrass me and say, well, John Gibson, maybe, um, <laughs> But, boy, that'd be tough to fit under their under their cap. I'm not saying they couldn't do it. As a matter of fact, I'm more convinced you can do more than we've been led to believe over uh, the last 10 or 15 years with regard to the salary cap if you really are willing to acquire players that are going to extend your cap and do things that maybe weren't willing to do 15 years ago. So there may be a path to that, but... Um, That doesn't speak to what the return would have to be to probably a guy like Gibson out of Anaheim, a guy who quite frankly hasn't really even played that great, doesn't have better numbers than either of Toronto's current goaltenders, Uh, but you have to think maybe in a different circumstance with a little stronger team in front of him, his numbers would be significantly different. But I don't think that's a likely outcome for Toronto right now, and I don't think it fits all that well with management. You can only do so much though
0: so. we're talking a former player agent, general manager, Brian Lawton lots it's It's just kind of deadsville out there when it comes to teams moving anybody is this Is this absolutely the flat cap, and will this continue until what uh, a couple of weeks uh, as far as they can alleviate uh cap space for their respective clubs here?
6: when you talk to guys, I mean, prices are still sky high. You know, you go out and you kind of canvas what's going on with a guy like Chickren that's been highly sought after for quite a while, dragged on much longer than the Ryan O'Reilly odyssey. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder how that one's going to end. I just don't see, you know, teams willing to pay maybe a legitimate player two round picks a prospect, that type of return for anybody. I think it's going to be a buyer's market. And why do I say that? Well, I know Chikrin's out there. I know he's a guy that could potentially be traded. But, you know, Eric Carlson, is he off the market? We know he's super expensive. Would San Jose pay half for a great return? Would that make sense for them? Would Florida look at maybe moving Montour? Is Cam Fowler potentially in play? I know he's got a lot of restrictions on his deal. We heard about Prover... Provorov's name pop-up, uh, McDonough, Sherratt, Klingberg, Ulrich, Austin, Gavrikov, oh Letty. Good get flooded. Eddie. There's a lot of guys. Exactly, and that's my point. This Connor Brigard, you know, let's try to be there at the end of the day, has kind of changed the mix this year, and I think it's going to affect the trade market, and I think right now the teams that want to be sellers, because there's a lot of them that have already come to the conclusion might be better to sell earlier rather than later this year to improve our odds are having a very hard time getting anywhere near the returns that they would like to get.
1: Well, that's encouraging. If you're buying, I suppose, Um, you know, the, one of the teams should be in theory, look at last year, look at last year,
6: we had just a little bit of this dynamic and a guy by the name of Hampus Lindholm goes off for a price that a lot of teams have said, well, I'll do that. For a quality player, right? Because it's just worked out so great for Boston, yeah. and uh, I think that's what people are on the hunt for. And I think it's going to be even tougher sledding. Clearly, in that situation, the club had made the decision that they're going to move on from the player. He was going to be unrestricted, um, but under, you know, virtually no circumstance were they not going to move him. And that's what happened. And that's what has to concern a lot of teams right
0: now. But there wasn't much push on, on Lindholm. Maybe it, because the majority of the teams slept on him or don't really watch games uh, late at night, but there wasn't that much com- um, competition for the Boston Bruins for Lindholm. And I know teams today that would gladly want to revisit that uh, based on the success that he's had in Boston. Yeah,
6: no no doubt about that, Kipper. And, and I was with you last year when that was going on. I was like, my goodness. What is going on here? You have a chance to not just add a top four D, but in Boston's case, he really is a number two D. He's a guy that didn't have a ton of offense. He's already virtually at his career high in half the season. You know teams sit there and do those calculations. Hey, this guy's not performing well on this club, but their club's not doing very well on our club with a better room, with a better supporting cast. This guy could really light it up. Well, it's been a perfect storm in Boston for Lindholm getting David Krejci back. Of course, didn't hurt either, fellas.
1: Right? Yeah, that was a big difference for them. the uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, when they're assessing how to spend their assets and what they want to do to the team, you know, one of the questions I think they have, and I think Kip would agree, is just, you know, do they want to get more physical? Are they tough enough? Are they whatever? I wonder if you think that NHL playing style, the way the game is played has changed enough that you can have success without that element. Because in the regular season, it seems like you can. I just don't know once you get in the postseason if you can.
6: Yeah, that's true. I mean, Tampa and Colorado have been able to defy that, but they have such extreme talent that maybe they get a pass on it. I watch a team like Edmonton, you know, play a team like Minnesota even St. Louis to some degree, Washington, teams that are big, heavy teams, and they seem to have an upper hand, certainly in the five-on-five play when you see those teams match up. Uh, That's interesting to me. In the East for Toronto, could they get by without it? I think the numbers give them at least a 50-50 chance of that. But in a perfect world, you'd much rather have the same team that's much bigger, heavier. It's not to be tougher. It's not tougher. In today's world, it's just big players that could move. I think that's really valuable. And maybe, you know, maybe at the end of the day, uh, Toronto does go shopping for uh, some bigger players. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. It wouldn't be the be-all, end-all for me, but it's certainly something you keep an eye on.
0: Last well, so we just had a really good conversation on the Winnipeg Jets, and, you know, we talked about uh, a lot of things, including, you know, short-term and long-term for Kevin Dayoff. But he's he's really in a bit of a pickle here because he's got a team that has shown that they can compete, but you don't know who's going to stick around in the next two years. Uh, Shifley, Hellebuck uh, need new contracts. How far and how deep do you want to go on there? And then you've got this unique situation in Pierre-Luc Dubois where, you, you know, we're bordering on star uh, superstar. I don't know what he's worth on the open market, but he doesn't want to stay. I thought this would, be one of those things that could sink an organization, you know, a a huge distraction. That's not the case. A couple of questions here on this is, number one is, you know, would you want to be in Kevin Sheffield day off spot right now? And two is, will we see more players like Pierre-Luc Dubois show their cards and and not worry about uh, the ramifications of a community turning on you?
6: I don't think we will Kipper for the obvious reasons. I just don't think there's any reason to go that route. Some players don't care, but that's more rare than not. Hockey players in general are pretty, pretty courteous, pretty thoughtful about those types of things. His situation is unique. I mean, keep in mind, he is going to be a free agent, but he's not an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, not at 24 years old. Um, you
0: know, I But think two that years, two years he will Kevin, be. No,
6: yeah, two years he will be, assuming, you know, you work on a one-year deal or he goes to ARP, whatever, and can't get longer than a, that. So uh, it could be a conundrum, but it's not one that I'd be overly worried about right now if I were Kevin Shev- Dayoff, But another year is an eternity in this business to move a guy. That doesn't mean you wouldn't be looking. As a matter of fact, I would start the process. Now, I'd do it quietly. Uh, I'd be looking for a grand slam offer. Uh, I probably wouldn't expect to get it, but you always want to see if someone will knock your socks off. You never know.
1: Lots, you know, they spend a lot of my time looking at the Leafs in their division. The Florida Panthers have been uh object of much many question marks this season uh, about their success. Matthew Kachuk's got 49 points in 38 games. He ain't the problem. He's been everything they thought he might be so they get what they want and they're so much worse. You know, how, if you're Bill Zito, how are you feeling about the way this season is shooken out, shaked out? I don't know the word. You know the word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
6: The word is ugly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right.
6: No, it it clearly is. And, you know, it, it happens to everybody in this business. Bill Zito came in and absolutely everything he did worked out marvelously. And they went on an incredible run and they even put up a bit more of a fight than maybe even some people thought they might last year in the playoffs. Didn't get to where they wanted to get to. Thought they'd go in all this all in this year with a huge move for Matthew Kuchaku. You guys are right. He, I I don't know if he has any better to give. He is 25 years old, so that certainly makes sense. But, you know, he's played really, really well. I think what we found out is that it was razor thin in terms of the blue line that they were able to roll out last year and have such great success with. They've changed the coach. Uh, everything has kind of gone for them this year, very shockingly. And Kipper, as you wrote about not that long ago in the Toronto Star, it's even worse than the standings are on paper behind the scenes. So uh, it's a tough spot for them to be in right now. Obviously at the halfway point, they're hoping they can turn it around. I watch a lot of their games. I haven't seen anything to indicate they're ready to break out and do that.
0: You know, if they if they just had a chance at Connor Bedard, but they don't even have that Ugh. and they don't have, well, that, they don't yeah. have first rounders for the next few years. Lots like uh, it's, it's kind of like that's mind boggling to think that they went from president's trophy to this scenario in less than 12 months.
6: No, it, it is Kipper and I read your story and that's what I was alluding to obviously, but uh you know that's just uh, something that uh, yeah. obviously Bill Zito and his management team never thought was a possibility, yeah. and neither would you, you or I have. Yeah. That's of fair. Course, at the same time, it is something that you can clean up with one more sentence. It just happens sometimes. That's all.
0: Well, plenty left to watch as we go into the back half of the season. Hey, lots, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this.
6: Anytime,
0: guys. Thanks a lot.
1: Appreciate it. Brian Lott.
0: Matthew Kachuk is
1: ninth in the NHL in points this year. Tied for eighth, actually. 1.29 points per game, 20 yeah. goals.
0: I think it was Mike Kelly that emphasized the goaltending.
1: Spencer Knight and Ilya, Bur- no, whatever, Sergey Bobrovsky.
0: Bobrovsky. But Spencer Knight to turn around, uh, sign a new contract at $4.5 million. Based on really crazy. nothing, except if but. I ask for it, will you give it to me?
1: This is the same thing that happens with not quite Tage Thompson, but betting on guys before they have the break, breakout. You go, well, get him at 4-5. or five. He's going to be worth 10. We're going to look like geniuses.
0: And he's worth two. and You, you go, are, wow. if you would have gotten rid of your $10 million right. anchor. How's that possible? Okay. As promised, we're going to start this little star or superstar segment in our show. I love it the when we just make crap up. Impromptu
1: segment here. <laughs> <laughs> Defining right. what a so, superstar is.
0: For uh, Exactly. So yeah. before we get into this, and we'll, we'll go right here, uh, home here in Toronto with mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Your definition between a star and superstar. Well, I think you have to... Look at the
1: number of people you're including. Like how big, how, is, is 10 players in the league superstars? Are there 15 superstars? To me, once you get to every team, you're at 32 teams. Those are now all stars. You have selected not doing a star it. from all say. the teams. Those are all stars. You are out of the superstar realm. To me, the cap, the absolute cap is is under 20, probably 15. How am I doing? For defining what a superstar
0: is. Yeah. I think, first of all, is there a big gap between a star and a superstar for you? And and what is that gap? Yes. The gap for me is
1: the guys who really drive the bus. There are stars on bad teams. Connor McDavid does not allow the Oilers to be as bad as they have been for years because he is a okay.
0: super uber-duper star. Yeah. Okay, so if I can kind of grasp what you're saying, that there, if we if were to break it up between uh, star and superstar, as simple as there, there's, there's a, a local feel for every community that they yes. have their own stars,
1: yes. right? Yeah. And it
0: might be three or four on each team where they can look at their team and say, well, he's one of our stars. Would people say that Riley's a star defenseman? Probably. So when I think of a superstar... I think of national. Okay. I think of across the league. Mm-hmm. I think of marketability. That's exactly. On that a superstar. Marketability was in yes. your definition as 100%. well?
1: Marketability. So Jason Robertson. And,
2: and third. And in the league in scoring or fourth and, or whatever. And market plays into it big time, like Kipper said. Like if, so if you, like you mentioned Mika Sabinajad. To me, him playing for the Rangers makes him closer to a superstar than I would say if he played for the Kings.
0: A, a superstar for me is knowing like that. that a team's coming into your community and that guy is must see selling for me. tickets. Selling Again, tickets. Jason Robertson, no disrespect, yeah. not selling yeah. tickets. Not a superstar. So the other factor yeah, statistically. The, the other one. factor is, you know, uh, mm, there's, a, there's a proven flavor. there's a proven kind of commodity here. That you've done it before, or that you've hit levels that yes, that um, you know you, there's Which not a, there, there's Thompson. not a I'm waiting for moment with a a star yeah right a superstar has that arrived and can he do it again or th- just the confidence that he will because opposed, he's opposed to a star who's yeah. you're waiting for to do that so all of these factors come into play mm-hmm. and therefore I think there's like under ten. Let's go.
1: Under uh, 10 superstars. Yeah. You'd be surprised. So, I have I've had this conversation with people when they say, ah, he's one of the five best or 10 best players in the league. And then you start to write them down and you run out of names yeah, like, really fast. Like,
2: is, okay, so don't kill me, Oilers Twitter and Oilers people. But, like, would you consider Leon Dreisettle a superstar? Superstar.
0: Kipper? Absolute superstar. Superstar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he he's not the flashiest. There isn't, there isn't, I, I, a dynamic element to his game that is as clear as McDavid's, mm-hmm. but uh, you had a billion his, points, a ton of years in a row. A his superstar. ability to you pass the trophy. puck, shoot the puck, all of that uh, has put him in the last two years. Here's one for you, Eric Carlson, superstar. So
1: that is almost a like legacy superstar. Okay, you know okay. what I mean? Like he's been at the top of the game, multiple Norris trophies does stuff no one can do,
0: you want to watch him. The level that he hits when he's healthy and feeling good, superstar.
1: But having Carlson in the conversation now, the bubble's pretty big.
0: Okay, so you said 12 or 20? What did you say? I I
1: said under 20, so 15, 16, 17 guys.
0: Jack Hughes. I'm in that same
1: part. Jack Hughes is a great question, and and Jack Hughes is like Tage Thompson to me.
0: Not where, superstars.
1: Yeah, where you're like they're probably going to be. They are performing like superstars right this moment.
2: But I'm not putting those guys in the same conversation with Connor McDavid and Austin he, Matthews, like Sidney Crosby. He,
0: he's he's rising stars, new category. Uh, it's a uh, good young stars, but not too young. Superstars. We should put them on a team and have them play the rest of the world in a but, tournament. But he's he's played. 40 games. He's on a career year pace. Who? Jack Hughes. Hughes, okay. That he he looks like he's a projected superstar, yeah. but he is not a superstar in the National Hockey League just yet. So let's just
1: Ma- do this quick. Matthew Kachuk. Hold on. Kay. Let's do this quick. That's a great one. Thank you. Crosby, Ovi, uh McDavid, Dreisaitl. Give me the note. Matthews. No- Matthews. Matthews. Matthews, Marner. Marner, um, okay. D like headman. McCarr. McCarr.
0: McKinnon. 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 We're forgetting people.
1: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Like you're you're almost at ten before we even start the Stamkos. The
0: li- Kucherov. Kucherov's a superstar. But you don't think Stamkos is? Uh, I would put him in the, la- the the His last three years, he to me is a. Uh, but here's here's then what about Bergeron and
1: Marchand? But I to me they're I don't know I, just don't, they super, I just don't think of them as
2: superstars. I just don't think of them as superstars. There's know a cool. flash
0: dynamic yes. to a superstar. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I do <love, laughs> They yeah, are I, I don't in, disagree. in my book. Like I love Patrice Bergeron. I know you to take me, him over to some me, of these guys. He's he, he, there's not too many guys I would rather have in a game seven than him. Sean so Bergeron. yes, but without the, the flash, yeah. Stamp, Kos, Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron are superstars in our league.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. They're huge names. We put Carlson on on the list already.
0: Kareel uh, Kaprizov.
1: That's a great one about.
2: Yeah, not yet. I think it's market
0: driven because not yet. local like if, local like star.
2: He's, like he's, he's in so Toronto, good. He's no having a superstar. sick year. Yeah, he's, he's so good.
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's he he can, under the right circumstances, turn himself into a, a Kucherov, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a fair. Let me go back to Matthew
0: Kachuk. Yeah, star, superstar, star, star. Ja- uh, Jack Eichel,
1: mm-hmm. star.
0: I go superstar. one of the stars. Yeah. I go superstar. Not yeah, in, uh, Eichel is a still, lot. Still a lot, of... still a lot to prove to me.
1: He's a lot of word of mouth and, you know, expectation. And, you know, I, has he done it? Has he done it? So Nylander's not going in then. He's not no. superstar He's, status.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. He's He needs a... But in a terms good, of flash he needs and a market, year. he, he needs, has those with him. He needs, oh, yeah, well, the potential. Yeah. We, we got 50 guys with the potential to be a superstar. Yeah. Evgeny Malkin. Oh, superstar. Yeah, superstar. Okay. 101st best player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite joke couldn't Roman beat out could, couldn't beat out uh Newsy Lalone.
1: Newsy Lalone <laughs> <Yeah>. from yeah. <laughs> the 1912 Seattle Frankfurt. Yeah, I
0: think Roman Yossi on a bigger market would be a superstar.
1: Yeah. I, I would love for to Some local market's gonna catch wind of this conversation and hate us. Um
2: I think we've named them all. No, did you guys name your one of your top goalies? five players of all time, uh, Braden Point?
1: Yeah, I thought about point, but he's not a superstar for me. Oh yeah, he's, goalies. For goalies, is a superstar. What about Mark Stone? Sorry. Mark Stone. Oh, Best sorry. left winger
0: in the game? No. Oh, at one time, at least. Not, not a superstar for
1: me. Vasilevsky, the only guy? Shesterkin, not a superstar yet? Yeah. Those two guys are superstars.
2: Shesterkin, you're going to put in? For sure. He won the Vesna last year. He plays them for the Rangers. How's he He's doing? a superstar. How's he doing this year? No, no, I mean, they're know. pretty he good. He
0: is definitely their superstar in New York. Yeah. And would be their apparent to... Basilewski. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you can technically think that he's one of the superstars in the league yeah. in that position all day long. You can sell me on that.
1: Elias Petterson. David Pasternak. Oh, yeah. Passed as in?
0: Yeah, I got him as a superstar. So, we got team.
1: passed as a superstar, but not his teammates.
2: It's just a different thing. Like they're just—I
1: get it. I get nailed it, you, it with the flash. You got reflective glasses. You're instantly
0: with a the star. flash, there's just a dynamic element to their game that automatically pushes you up into the the wow factor. They're just great at the little things that help you win. But mm. there's not that flash with yeah. certain players. Barzal, um, Patrick Line. Pat Kane, superstar. Kane, but
1: Tave, he's a superstar. Legacy superstar.
0: He's still in the league. Yeah, he's... but that, we're, we're at the tail end, right? But we, he was a superstar.
1: Yeah. he's. Yeah, it's a stretch
0: having him in there for while. No, me. not now. No, 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 he's no, no not he's now. A, he's,
2: outside of the, he's on the outside looking into the superstar list. Um, Barkov?
1: No. Barkov's a great Bar- question. Barkov,
2: like, he's falling off a cliff. Falling off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He so was last, last year, was... yes. He was the most underrated player in the Landis league. Landeskog, in went- good players, not superstars.
1: O'Reilly, mm. going, I'm almost done my uh, quick scan of the league here. I, I got one for you. What's that?
0: Trevor Zegras. See, young, he's in Jack. I, uh just Jack, not quite good enough. Yet. Jack Hughes, right? Just not they're quite just, good enough yeah, yet. they're 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 going to be the next wave, but more wins. Le- less likes. So we on have a clean
1: 15 superstars in the league, which I love as a number. You got Malkin, Kucherov, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid, Dreisidel, Matthews, Marner, Hedman, McCarr, uh, McKinnon, Vasilievsky, Shesterkin, Pasternak. Uh, I think he said him uh, and Kane, Patrick Kane. All right, hit us up in the comments. You got Petey in of- Vancouver, same guy, falls into That's that That's a great example of your local market. Like,
0: Pedersen is their guy, right? Where he's, they- he's the star in the local market, but just uh, isn't right there nationally. Rasmus Dahlin is probably getting there. Paige Thompson getting there. Next yeah. wave. Yeah. Adam Fox? Oh, good one. All I- right.
1: He just hasn't been in enough car commercials. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I haven't seen him anywhere. Uh, He's he's good enough to be there. One of Norris. He's in New York. He's, he's
0: legit. But should be the next 10-year version of Eric Carlson. John Tavares? Not, no, no, no. No. No.
2: Is it crazy? Johnny Goodrow? Is it crazy to think that he, has he ever been a superstar, John Tavares?
1: Yes, 100%.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think. I think uh, JB's right that there was that window where he was the franchise of the New York Islanders. There
1: were guys, Jamie Ben was it, Claude Giroux was it. Like, those guys were the top of the league at
0: times. Tyler Sagan was on the cusp of being a superstar. Yeah. Panarin? It's a a good one, but no. no. Uh, He's a very poor man. Uh, he's, very rich, actually.
1: No, he's, he's the opposite of
2: poor man.
0: <laughs> poor man. Pasternak.
1: That's great. Did, uh, you guys do Kyle Connor. No, Kyle no. Connor. Now, no. no, star player on his team. You ask some fan bases in the league about Kyle Connor. They'd say, who's oh, I take for? him?" No, than, they, got, than, they, than, but they wouldn't know where Kyle, he is. Kyle like, Connor
0: and, and Gensel are the exact same to me. Right. Yeah. You'd love them. Riding shotgun with your number one centerman. Yeah. And know that they could score thirty five, forty goals with their eyes closed, but not right. considered like flash superstars.
1: Which brings me to a conversation that we kinda had earlier about Anze Kopitar, oh, who yeah. had his eleven hundredth point. Oh, Drew last Doughty. Night. Oh, Drew Doughty's a star. He's not
0: superstar. a superstar? No. Okay.
1: Ah, Drew Doughty's a superstar. He he Norris's Stanley Cups runs his mouth. Plays in L.A. levels.
0: He hit high
2: levels for me. a legacy. You're you're, you're writing down. You you put that in the book. That's official. He's official.
1: Doughty's in. He's (laughs) in my. If Eric Carlson's in, Drew Doughty's in. Seventeen. Yeah. It it depends on where we sit on Taves. We never really. Nah, nah.
2: I'm. I'm putting the foot down.
1: That is. I mean. So is Brent Burns
2: still a superstar? No. No.
1: Britain Burns is high entertainment value. Oh yeah,
2: do we say anyone on Carolina? I mean, Ajo's the best not team in the league. Nodded. No, Svechnikov. Svechnikov's no, no, not no, going to no, do
1: no. it. Not yet. Not yet. All right. But what about Kopitar? I- uh, so Kopitar, I love as a discussion. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? Eleven hundred points in twelve hundred and fifty games. Ballpark. Those are round numbers. Yes, he is. He's in like for sure for me. Yes. I mean, he was a Me too. monumental piece. one Selkie trophies, Stanley Cups, almost a point per game guy. You, I mean, you want your player. You know, it's funny, as Sam said, uh, Austin Matthews, when he came into the league, Kopitar was like a comparable for a lot of people. Like He could be Kopitar. Turns out he's maybe Kopitar plus, but wouldn't you want him to have Kopitar's career? Wouldn't oh, you love him to end with Kopitar's career? I, I
2: would run to the Scotiabank Arena and get down on a knee and pray to the hockey gods that he ends up with that <laughs> career. career. Oh, like my Anja God. Yeah. When it's all said and done. I just, the reason I brought it up is because if this guy had this career, like we're talking about the superstar conversation, if this guy had this career in, on the East Coast, like any, any of the big traditional hockey markets, you talk about, you know, Montreal, Toronto, Philly, New York, any of these places where they really care about it. Yeah. The way this guy be talked about, he be talked about it as like an all-time legend. I know.
0: And it's just oh without a doubt if he was on the in the east. Yeah. Like it he, would be a different conversation. I feel like
2: of, he deserves as like one of the biggest most underrated careers. Like sure. if you're having like a conversation about who would it be? I think he's in that conversation.
1: Yeah. He he has been um, everything they've asked of him and more. Forgot oh. one here. Oh what do you got? I knew it. we definitely forgot a couple.
0: Marc-André Fleury. No. Big numbers, man.
1: Like, he's a Hall of Fame guy, but too. If you're,
0: but if Ron, you're going by the superstar, Mark Markability He's not a superstar in this league. He's a superstar. Yeah, he's a superstar. He, the, you know,
1: yeah. this is a thing, though. Like, is it just no, you're playing right. ability? No, he, he is. Because if it's not, then Jonathan Taves and, is a star.
0: Well. A superstar. Yeah, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury would be under the same umbrella as Jonathan Taves, where today it's, yeah, the, they're on the 18th hole here. We know mm. that. But. Pick it up. <laughs> Yeah. I'll pick it that's, up. A, that's a gimme.
2: That's a gimme. gimme? Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a gimme. yeah. It's a gimme. Go to the clubhouse and let's start drinking about your first seventeen yeah, holes.
1: We'll, we'll no one's gonna talk about eighteen. Let's just focus on your great front
0: side. Yeah, uh, I think that's about it on the goaltending side. That's the one. Oh, is Jonathan Quick a Hall of Famer?
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: Okay. Absolutely. Superstar for LA. No. Good so, goalie. you
2: can lose superstar
1: status while you're a player. I think he's had too long of a down swing. Yeah. Like, if you're Gretzky and you get nine goals near last year, you're still a superstar. You don't, you know, you can't dim a star that bright. Yeah. But I, I like, I guess, did, did
2: Quick win the Con Smythe for them? Like, there's a couple years there when he was out of the world. You know what we've
1: good. never discussed on this show, which we probably should have? Mm. They're putting up a statue of Dustin Brown really In los angeles maybe not even there maybe it's already up a statue of dustin brown the captain of the two stanley cup teams i believe he wore the c when they won the cups he's a warrior that guy but a statue
0: i of mean dustin brown but played almost wendell clark's got a statue don't compare those two why they played hard uh they were loved locally Ah, Listen, feels, I, I love yeah, Wendell. I know, I'm just I know, telling I know. you that's where it's coming from. Okay. Right. Was Wendell Clark a superstar? You'd know better than me. I yeah. I, I love him, but I mean, I, there's people around the league that would go, he was a really good player, a hard player, a yeah. tough player. Love him in the trenches, but yeah. a league superstar? It's all in the eye of the beholder, but I can kind of see uh, the success yeah. of of. Their Stanley Cups you know, my, around a guy like Dustin Brown. And I know, I know he's not a star.
1: Yeah. My thoughts are when you eyes. say that are, yeah, but the Leafs have never had a ton of like
0: superstars league wide, but then that's LA too. Like, did Dustin Brown make many All Star games? Did he make a lot of uh, national teams? I think he was part of uh, USA, no? For sure. For checking. Yeah. Champ, yeah. You know. He, he would have okay. been there in 2010 but, and 2014. 100%. Yeah. More. Workman uh, me like mentality. Well,
2: if
1: they, it's also like the Leafs Have Legends Row. That's where Wendell is, right? Yeah. yeah. If they built yeah, you know,
2: LA
0: has like Magic Johnson
1: out front. If
2: they yeah. built
0: one he's for Brown be... by the Zamboni doors,
1: <laughs> they got Magic in the basketball and Dustin Brown drinking a water bottle with the water the, squirting. The, the one wrong for like
2: Kopitar better be made out of solid gold. <laughs>
1: if they've got <laughs> one for
2: Brown, but I like Brown. Brown had an underrated career, played almost 1,300 I have no games. Problem he's some down with Dustin Brown, almost a hundred, almost a hundred playoff games.
0: Almost 100 playoff games. Take away his uh, statue right now. I'm blaming you.
1: Statues (laughs) are a higher honor than the Hall of Fame.
0: Hmm. 60 seconds. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. There's some dumb How
1: many guys are in the Hall of Fame? There's a bajillion. Da- There's like nine. anybody guys with can order
0: a statue. Wonder, anybody gonna, can order a I'm gonna, statue. I'm put up a Kiprio statue. Not at everybody Sports can get in the Hall of Fame. On the TV side, that's where the the Kipper statue is going. You can make a statue of me out front, <laughs> right? Anybody can do that. What
1: do you want it out of? Uh, a bronze, iron, nickel? Just tin's good. Tin's good. You got aluminum foil. Wow,
0: this 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 segment oh. should have been on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our thanks to Ken Weep for our Winnipeg discussion. Yes. Brian Lawton and uh Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly, of course. All day. Okay. One more and then we're back in action tomorrow night, Nashville, Toronto. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. Hit the like button. Give us a rating and review. Always love having you guys on board. Have a great night, everybody.